Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. This week, Dan's podcast is speaking with Rabbi Mark Schneier, who was a uh, remarkable addition to the Hamptons 30 years ago when he founded the Hampton Synagogue in West Hampton Beach. Uh, He's a, a world leader. And he also founded several other groups. And the uh, uh, synagogue has recently embarked on some expansion. So let me talk to you for a few minute or two about what the Hamptons was like when you first got here with the idea of starting a synagogue. That was 1989, 1990. Well, back in 1990, so we're looking at 32 years ago. Uh, this part of the Hamptons, there was no organized Jewish community. And a group of us took this leap of faith. We organized, we began to hold services in 1993. We broke ground on the sanctuary of the Hampton Synagogue. Uh, you cover that whole process, particularly when We culminated in the dedication in 1994 with the participation of Steven Spielberg. Uh, That was the year that Spielberg had directed uh, Schindler's List, probably the most renowned figure on this planet. And we were very blessed to have uh, his support and participation. And the community has grown exponentially. And not only... Uh, do we consider ourselves one of the flagship houses of worship here in the Hamptons? Uh, but now, uniquely, we enjoy a nationwide television platform. Uh, we're the only uh, synagogue of its kind that has its services. And we're an Orthodox synagogue, so they're pre-recorded, but our services are televised nationwide on NBC Comcast. Um, twice on Friday evenings, uh, twice on uh, Saturdays. And according to NBC, Dan, this is not Mark Schneier hyperbole, all right? This is NBC's numbers. We have over 200,000 homes across the country that view our services every weekend, uh, which is unprecedented in Jewish history. And I think it not only speaks well of the synagogue, but also speaks well of the Hamptons. Uh, you know, nationwide, when people think of the Hamptons, you know, they think of the beaches, the beautiful uh, environment, they think of all the parties, Hollywood East, the celebrities. But there's also a very, very significant spiritual force uh, here in the Hamptons, in the Hamptons Synagogue. And we are blessed, we feel blessed to be that ambassador of goodwill for the Hamptons to the greater nationwide audience. Why do you think the uh, this uh, broadcast has been so successful? Why would it be more so than 
some other one? Well, there are only two synagogues that are nationwide. Central Synagogue from New York, which is Reform, and the Hampton Synagogue, which is Orthodox. I think I won't comment on the rabbi of the Hampton Synagogue that I'll let you comment on. Uh, but in terms of our cantor and our choir, um, Cantor Hershey is considered one of the top, if not the number one cantor in the world. Our choir, we're the only synagogue that has a professional choir. All of our choristers uh, sing in the New York Opera. And that's also not only a, um, you know, a contributing element to our success on television, but also in person. You know, we can have upwards of 800 people here on a given Saturday morning. Wow. And they come, you know, to hear the music, to experience the energy. It's a very, very dynamic institution. And it is an institution that is growing exponentially, not only in terms of members and numbers, but also physically. Uh, how is that? Well, across the street from the synagogue campus, uh, we had assembled all the land to build a children's campus, uh, a children's center. Imagine the 92nd Street Y, it's of that magnitude, but it is exclusively for children. We completed phase one. We dedicated the new building, it's called Jack's House, which is in memory of one of the founding members of the Hampton Synagogue, Jack Gore, who was a Holocaust survivor and his family uh, very, very prominent, very active here in the congregation. And, and additionally, our bhikkhu, that uh, we were able to secure the legend, the master of glass, glass blowing, Dale Chihuly, mm. uh, to create and to design all the glass installations uh, for Jack's house. This is Dale Chihuly's only synagogue project of his illustrious career. Yes. Um, his, the, the first installations are in the children's chapel. Those are the 36 uh, glass Fiori windows, uh, the first eternal light of Chihuly's career in September. We will be installing the first menorah of his career. And then God willing, next summer, uh, Chihuly is designing an 18-foot glass sculpture, a Holocaust memorial dedicated to the million and a half Jewish children that perished during the Holocaust. Not only is this Julie's first Holocaust memorial, but Dan, this will be the first Holocaust memorial in the Hamptons. Right. So what I think we've done for West Hampton Beach, which is slowly becoming the crown jewel of the Hamptons. I mean, let's Define West Hampton Beach. It's only 3.2 square miles. And West Hampton Beach is going through an extraordinary transformation. And I know the synagogue has played such a significant role. So we've created two additional channels, two additional avenues for West Hampton Beach. One lane is in terms of children and the children's center that is really unparalleled here throughout the Hamptons. And the second is the arts dimension. Yes. Uh, the fact that you have this permanent uh, Chihuly glass, you know, series of installations, we project there will be not hundreds, but thousands of people 
of visiting the synagogue, coming to the butch uh, to see this magnificent, magnificent work of art um, by Dale Julie. Can you handle all of the people who want to come and sit in the synagogue for the services when you have this number of people? Well, two things. First, the way the synagogue was built, all the glass around the sanctuary opens. So you can either have the air-conditioned seats or the tanning seats, whichever you prefer. And, you know, I'm, I'm of the school of thought, Dan, that never have empty seats. Uh, you know, the more they stand, the, the more they come. And that's true not only of synagogue. I mean, think of some of your uh, best clubs back in New York or down South Beach. Are you yeah. going to go into the club that you can't get into? Or are you going to go, want to go to the club where you can have easy access? I find, you know, and, and that's part of the mystique of the Hampton Synagogue, you can't get a seat. Uh-huh. And because you can't get a seat, more people come. They want to experience. They want to enjoy, you know, this mystique and this energy and the dynamism and the people. Uh, it's a very, very exciting place. Talk about when, when you founded the uh, Foundation for Ethnic Understanding, which I think was a remarkable, I personally think it was a remarkable thing at the time. How, how did that come about? Well, I come from a family tradition. I'm the 18th generation of rabbis in my family. And I come from a family tradition where you make both a congregational contribution and you have to make a social action contribution. So 33 years ago, if you recall the late Broadway impresario, Joseph Papp, he and I joined forces in creating this foundation. And our exclusive focus for the first 15 years of that foundation was to restore, to rebuild the historic alliance between Blacks and Jews in our country. During the civil rights struggle, there was no segment of American society that provided as much and as consistent support to Dr. King and to the African-American community as did the Jewish community. Regrettably, after King's assassination, that relationship spiraled downward. So beginning in 1989, we led this national effort to the extent that in, in 2014, the United States Congress honored the foundation as the national address for Black-Jewish relations. About 18 years ago, we pivoted most of our time, energy, and resources to building Muslim-Jewish relations globally. How to find the path to narrow the gap, the chasm, the divide between 1.6 billion Muslims and 16 million Jews. And to make a long story short, I'm very honored, I'm very privileged that the President of Israel just two months ago, after my efforts, I would even say my singular efforts in bringing about the rapprochements and the reconciliation between Turkey and Israel, the President of Israel honored me when he said that today, the most influential and powerful Jewish figure in the greater Muslim world is Mark Schneier. And that's also been, you know, tremendous, tremendous focus for me uh, in terms of my involvement with the Arabian Gulf countries 
I'm very honored. I am a, a, appointed by the Royal Court of Bahrain. I'm a special advisor uh, to His Majesty, to the King. I am the interfaith advisor to the World Cup in Qatar, uh, to uh, Sheikh Tamim, to the Emir. Uh, the World Cup begins November 21st uh, in Doha. Um, my three um, Central Asian countries are very involved. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, of course, Turkey, Albania, Indonesia, Singapore. There are about 15, 16 countries that are my sweet spot. So to summarize this, Dan, Mark Schneier, I have three lanes. I have my Hamptons lane. I have my Muslim Jewish lane. And I have my black Jewish lane. Needless to say, what is most precious and dear to me is my Hamptons Lane here at the Hamptons Center. Why, why did you uh, come out to the Hamptons rather than anywhere else when you first, uh, I know you were from New York in the city. What uh, made you decide that you'd like to set up the synagogue out here? I had absolutely no intent of ever setting up the synagogue out here. It was the summer of 1990. I was summering out here. I happened to like to go to shul. You know, I, I like to uh, have uh, to attend. You know, Saturday morning, Friday evening. You know, Sabbath services. Saturday morning. So, in order to have a uh, service in the Orthodox tradition, you need a quorum of ten men. So, I put a few ads in the Jewish Week, which you know today is now defunct, but in, in the Jewish Week. Um, advertise, I'm going to have, you know, these services in the living room of my home. Apparently, a Newsday reporter, I believe his name was Stuart Vincent at the time, uh, he saw the ads, he called up the local um, building inspector here in West Hampton Beach, and the inspector said to the reporter, we never had a synagogue, we never will have a synagogue in West Hampton Beach. And that's probably... Not the best way, you know, to win me over. And uh, you recall, you know, I fought this battle on all the front page uh, tabloids, the Post, uh, the Daily News, about three or four weeks. We were victorious in the appellate division. And the irony is, Dan, had the village not even reacted to my having 10 people in my living room, there would never be a synagogue here because I would have remained, you know, in the city. And suddenly, instead of having 10 people, I'm having 30 people, 50 people, then we have to go into the backyard, we have a tent, and the rest is history. So it's, again, it, it's another example of God remaining anonymous, but we know that, you know, he's part of this uh, overall master plan. And that's the history. And um, listen, I'm blessed. I'm blessed that I had this privilege, this honor. You know, I've been serving here for 32 years with the help of God. 32 years ago, I invented a Jewish community, and 32 years later, I now have the unique privilege of reinventing this congregation, this community, in terms of preparing it for the next generation. When you see how our congregation today is overrun by young families in their 30s and 40s, it's exactly my dream and, and, uh, and my objective is to begin preparing the transfer of this congregation uh, with all of its renown and acclaim to the next generation that are coming into West Hampton Beach.
Do you have any uh, more plans in the works for uh, any of these three tracks that you are on now? I'm, I am always in a planning stage. <laughs> so I can tell you the Hamptons, we have another two phases for sure, which has been approved by the village of West Hampton Beach. I must tell you that today, you know, particularly with the most wonderful mayor, Maria Moore, West Hampton Beach and the village trustees, we have a beautiful relationship and partnership. They cannot be more supportive. They cannot be more excited. And that also um, speaks well, you know, of West Hampton Beach. And in terms of my work in Muslim-Jewish relations, you know, it's never ending. There are 57 Muslim nations in the world. I can't be in all 57 but um, right after the summer, right after Labor Day, I have to go be with the presidents of Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan. We have a number of uh, projects we're working on. Uh, Black Jewish relations is always challenging. You know, there's always a new generation that needs to be educated and sensitized to the history of um, uh, Black Jewish relations and, and the historic alliance. So I'm always on the go. I am not only inspirational, I am aspirational. And I'm always aspiring uh, to achieve uh, new successes and new accomplishments. And as long as God gives me good health, I should be in good shape. Well, you've been uh, a great influence on this whole community. I can attest to that. And uh, I want to thank you for being on this podcast with me. I'm talking to Mark Schneier, uh, founder of the synagogue, of the Hampton Synagogue in West Hampton Beach, founder of the Foundation for Ethnic Understanding. I understand you are also vice president of the World Jewish Congress. For I, 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 I was. I was chairman of the World Jewish Congress. I was the former president of the New York Water Rabbis, which is the largest rabbinic organization in the world. I was the youngest president in their history. I peaked too early, Dan, <laughs> in the rabbinate. I was president of the New York Board of Rabbis when I was 38. Typically, you have to be 65 for that. Um, you know, so I've, I've paid my dues you know, to the Jewish community, but I must tell you, and I'll tell this to your listeners, the highest compliment that Dan Retiner ever gave me, I think it's the greatest compliment I ever received in the Hamptons, that you once did an article about the roundabouts in East Hampton, South Hampton, West Hampton Beach. And you propose which statue should be in the center of each roundabout. I remember you said Spielberg should be in East Hampton. I forgot who in South Hampton, but you said Rabbi Mark Schneier should be <laughs> in the center. I framed that article. It's in my office. You know, I have my not Hall of Fame, but I have my wall of frames, all right? And in the wall of frames is that article, and I feel so blessed that you and I have had an abiding friendship for so, so many years, could not have achieved uh, the success without your support and without your encouragement, without your help. And I very much uh, love you for that. Well, thank you, and love you too. And thanks for being on the podcast. Um, and uh, I will see you soon. Looking forward. Thank you, my friend. Have a beautiful weekend. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye.